This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. There's no payment sufficient to honor your worth. Most astounding creation, you, the face of this earth. Valeria Tellis interviews Nikki Murphy, the author of Home for Hurricanes, a memoir of resilience in poetry and prose. Nikki Murphy is an awarded diversity, equity, and inclusion leader, speaker, poet, real estate investor, and best-selling author of Home for Hurricanes, a memoir of resilience in poetry and prose. Her work aims to foster understanding across communities and empower people to do life on purpose. Abandoned by her hustling father and raised by her devoted mother in a tough neighborhood, Murphy learned from an early age how to triumph over trauma. Her best-selling book, Home for Hurricanes, a memoir of resilience in poetry and prose, chronicles her coming-of-age story and healing journey after surviving multiple traumas including being raped in college. Having a first-hand awareness of the societal issues plaguing Black communities, Murphy has volunteered with several nonprofit organizations serving underserved youth. However, it was the continued shooting of unarmed Black men making national headlines in 2016 and her desire to set an example for her then one-year-old son that prompted Murphy to radically re-examine her career. After nearly a decade in a successful corporate career working as an auditor at a big four accounting firm, Murphy took a six-month sabbatical to figure out a more purpose-aligned path forward. Murphy holds a BS in finance from New York University's Stern School of Business and is a member of Women of Integrity, Inc., an organization that empowers women and girls. She and her husband live on Long Island, New York with their five-year-old son. Meet Murphy at Nikki-Murphy.com. Here's the interview with Nikki Murphy. In your own words, who is Nikki Murphy? I would have to say Nikki Murphy is a curious Black woman on a journey of loving, of spiritual growth, of healing, and of accepting abundance in my life. So what is spirituality to you? And what is to be spiritual, really, from your perspective? I believe spirituality is just living with conscious recognition and dependency on your spirit. Um, So I know many people practice that in different ways, but I think ultimately it's just living with and not just recognizing that you have a spirit, but actually depending on it, you know, to lead and guide you and nourishing it. What are some of the ways that we can do that, Nikki? For you, what are your, per se, spiritual practices? 
Sure. So some of my spiritual practices include um, prayer. And uh, I am a Christian as well. So going to church and, you know, all of my religious practices and just to kind of put that out there, religion, I feel, is a means by which you get more connected um, spiritually. So if it's not serving you in that way, then (laughs) you need to question your religion. But um, yes, so so I do participate in various religious practices for related to Christianity in terms of like going to church, um, prayer, meditation on the biblical scripture and things like that are all a part of my spiritual practice and quiet time, meditation. What, where, and who is God to you? What is God? I believe God is love um, and God exists outside of space and time. And that reason, with that logic, I don't believe that God is a person or has uh, physical attributes, right? Although we do refer to him commonly as God the Father, and he, um, I believe God doesn't have anatomy. uh, And that is just for our own human understanding and framework. Yes, right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Limited in many ways. Yes, our limited understanding of trying to understand an omniscious, great uh, God. And I hope that answered the question, but if I missed any of them, please it do. It does. Yeah, it does. I love your wisdom, though, uh, and clarity. I love when you say God is love. What is another word for resilience? Another word for resilience? I don't know that I have another word that captures the essence of resilience, but I believe resilience is that ability to bounce back. Um, and for me, resilience... I don't really look at resilience as admirable unless you're actually dealing with the issues that knocked you down in the first place, right? Mm, So it's transformational. Um, And so a lot of times I'm talking about transformational resilience, something that you've grown and evolved through and not just bounced back from and compartmentalized. Do you believe in healing as a destination or a process for life? Absolutely. Do not <laughs> view it as destination. And it's it's so um, funny that you asked this because this is something that I struggled with, um, even in writing my book description for Home for Hurricanes, because it talks about healing. And there's a chapter dedicated to rebuilding and healing and, and I'm describing it. And I'm like, OK, on my journey toward healing. And then I'm just like, OK, I want to be careful with how I use this language because you never really arrive at being healed, right? I think we're all on a process of healing and we're also all on a process of being scarred and mm, and healing true. again. And, you know, so it's, it's definitely ongoing. It seems like we become the word, I might use your word, resilient. We might become resilient then, and then it's easier for us to heal once we yes. know, right, how to, the process works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then hopefully if you've transformed through that process of, um, you know, learning from your experience and such, then hopefully those same things don't knock you down quite as hard. And this idea of feeling empowered, what it is really to feel empowered from your perspective, Nikki? To feel empowered for me, it it couples knowledge and opportunity, 
right? I feel most empowered when I feel like I have the knowledge to go after said opportunity. So I have the opportunity in front of me and I have the knowledge. And I think um, empowerment and people that speak to empowerment sometimes misconstrue empowerment as motivation or or being motivational. And that's not quite it. I feel empowerment is putting the tools in your hand, the knowledge, the resources, and having that opportunity to exercise that. Do you kind of connect knowledge to wisdom or they are somehow different? I connect knowledge to wisdom to an extent. I think they're related. They're in the same family. They're cousins. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) But I I think wisdom (laughs) comes from lived experience as well or inner knowing, right? Mm, Um, So I believe that wisdom, you can learn a lot of things and never be wise um, Mm. if you're not applying it, if you haven't lived it, if you haven't tested that knowledge or or know it deeply in your spirit, right? Mm. So um, I do think there's there's a difference there. I also think knowledge is acquired and wisdom is kind of earned or mm. inherited almost. Yeah, I agree. I love this idea of inner knowing though, like coming from that place, a place that transcends knowledge and wisdom, even experience like this. Some people call intuition, right? Excess in that part of us that, that knows what it knows and trusts. And there's a lot of trust in there. We don't need to uh, even experiment. I mean, just for the sake of it, I guess, <laughs> just to have fun with it. But we already But when know. you know it deeply, you're right. You don't really need to uh, experiment with it. It's yes. not so much an experiment because you know. <laughs> yes, right, right. It might be an experience if we choose to, yeah. right? 2020 has been very interesting, lots of change and challenges and everything else in between. For you, Nikki, what has changed and what insights have you gained? Oh, so much has changed in 2020. I can't even, uh, well, I can begin to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be good. (laughs) So, so, um, For one, you know, I started 2020 uh, in my corporate career as corporate vice president of diversity and inclusion at a Fortune 100 company. And it was just a rocky road, just even navigating 2020 from that perspective. I mean, we were addressing COVID-19 impact, uh, social unrest, right? And what that meant for corporate organization. But for me personally, it also awoken something within me. Uh, and I, I left my corporate career. I published my book, Home for Hurricanes. And I really felt very compelled in speaking back to that inner knowing mm-hmm. and spiritual, spirituality and um, prayer. Like I really sat with this idea of feeling and knowing that I, I no longer needed to be in this position and that I was being called to do something else and to speak on a broader scale, um, to write on a broader scale and to really impact the community more broadly versus just within a corporate context. And so I followed that. So for me, 2020 brought a lot of change from a career perspective. Also, I have a little one at home. So, (laughs) you know, homeschooling and everything like that, it was pretty disruptive, but then also a blessing in disguise. I mean, mm-hmm. to have such a slower pace 
for someone like me who's been working in New York City and commuting and and doing all of this stuff and running and you know seeing my family in passing almost it just really we grew so much closer my husband my child like we just grew so much closer as a family I got so much more centered just in my spirit and it's really just been a, a fruitful year amongst tons of devastation but there, there was a silver lining for me. When you call it a calling, it's almost like a calling to go within, to trust what we know and to pause more, to actually act on the things that really matter to us. Yes. That's what it seems to me, right, that happened. Do you believe that this is somehow a spiritual movement from the unseen? Oh, absolutely. I believe everything that we um go through is is you know done mm-hmm. and unseen or is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or physical reality that. you yes. know but um, <laughs> yeah. for 2020 for yeah. sure there's a lot going on that um is birthing I think for everyone uh, a, almost a rebirth a reset yeah. I'd even just asked on my social media yesterday is anyone else feeling mm-hmm. like they're you know a brand new person person when they think about life post pandemic yeah. and I got a hundred percent response of, yes <laughs> I guess so, <laughs> It's just like everyone feels like, you know, they're a new person. And I think that um, this reset for us is is going to be defining for our generation. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, the purpose of life? The purpose of life, I believe, is to love. And I and I use that in terms of receiving and giving. But I think the purpose, and I I joke with people because I'm like, I know what your purpose in life is. Like, you don't have to go, you know, read a thousand books. And I know your purpose in life is to love others well. And, you know, you just think about how and what's the unique way that you're going to do it in whatever setting that may be. But I do believe that our human experience is about love. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful from your perspective? For me, success looks very different than what it what it did when I was, you know, so focused on career, right? Yeah. Yeah. But for me, success is feeling like I have contributed to the world to the best of my ability, that I have been present and effective in the way that I contribute to the world. That to me is success. I hear a lot this idea of presence, being present. Mm -hmm. And I know you added the word active too, which makes sense. But present, what is to be present really? How do you experience that, Nikki? Oh, I think being present is being aware um, of of this moment, right? And not Mm, (laughs) the future moment, not um, what people will think about you and all of that, but just really being present in this moment, especially when you're interacting with people. And when I talk about contributing to the world, um, you know, because otherwise it it feels like a show, right? When you're not present, it feels like a performance almost. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah. But when you're present yeah. and you're really there, that's when you connect with people. And I think that's when you have the lasting results and the, the more um, lasting impact and legacy. So definitely it's being it's being aware of, of this moment. What do you think if we can, if we have, some people have said that if we can be present 50 percent in a day, then it's fine. 
I think it requires a little bit more than that, doesn't it? More than 50. I think it probably requires a whole lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say that for if you are someone going from like completely not being present, I think even a 25%, (laughs) you know, being present in one meeting, you know, it it really does make a difference in how your your day shifts. So I I don't think any amount is too, too little, but um, whatever is progress for for you, that's what's what's good. When you speak of presence, I think about authenticity. Are they somehow connected to? Uh, I think so, because I think when you're truly present, you're you're your most authentic self, right? You're not thinking about what someone would think about you in this mm. future second or yeah. Um, yeah. what they might be um, judging you about when you leave, right? So it's it, I think being present is almost a prerequisite for authenticity. Yeah, it really feels like it. That's insightful. <laughs> I didn't connect them the way you do. Yeah, it's almost like it requires to be present. We must be authentic in order to be present, right? Or to yeah, or, or vice versa, or vice to be versa. authentic, you have to be present. True. Yeah, I love that, Nikki. I love, yeah, I'm going to write that quote somewhere <laughs> and post on your podcast <laughs> from oh. Instagram. <laughs> and freedom, that's my last warm-up question. What is freedom to you? What is the idea of freedom? Mm. I believe freedom is having the option to choose how you spend your most valuable resources, like time, energy, and money, Right. So I think it's it's the option. Choice often is connected to, or most people do connect to freedom. I notice that interviewing people asking the same question. I hear that. I do too. And I think people get imprisoned because they feel like they don't have a choice. There's always a choice. Um, You Mm -hmm. just may not like what your life might look like if you chose that. You may be fearful of, you know, what your life might look like if you chose one thing over the other. But a lot of people live in this reality where they feel like they don't have options. And that may be true to to some extent, right? There are limitations, very real limitations. But freedom is being able to also unlock that mental block that you may have as well of not seeing option or not seeing choice or feeling like you don't have a choice. I know that's what a lot of coaches do as well as working with people to understand that they do have a choice and question why you're choosing um, bondage. Which is a choice too. So they're choosing that instead. Interesting that you say that most people, they live in that reality, the reality that they create. And Mm -hmm. then that's why they don't see the choices because it's, uh, of course, it's limited. Yes. I think any reality we create ourselves, um, yeah, it's limited. But the one that we spoke earlier when you talk about God and the spirit yeah, it's unlimited. Unlimited. We're already free in a way, aren't yes. we, Nikki? Yeah, there. And when we're when we're tapped into that, that's when you experience true freedom. So you wrote the book Home for Hurricanes, a memoir of resilience in poetry and prose. The first question I usually ask is not this one that I'll ask you now. But for some reason, I want to ask this one I thought about earlier. <laughs> Go right about, ahead. Yeah, the title of your book, Why Did You Choose Home for Hurricanes? Yes, I went with this title because the way that I structured the book, I pictured it as being as myself being a home 
with all of these different compartments. I think I got the concept from compartmentalization. So when you think about that um, being in a compartment or you think about trauma being in a closet, right? It gave me this image of a home. And so when I was working with that image, I divided the book up into chapters of home closets, hurricanes, (laughs) and rebuilding. And the hurricanes really came from kind of these storms that we go through in life. And the analogy is saying that I've been a home for hurricane where you can't really tell that there's a storm going on in the inside because of how masked I had been. But then this book is letting you in to what that looked like for me and what that healing process has been like for me. And why did you choose poems, Nikki? So I I chose poems because I actually wrote in poems before I decided to write a book. So I was writing a lot of poetry about three years ago and I realized that it was coming to me in the form of poetry, my lived experience. So every night before I would go to bed, not every night, but many nights, I would just get kind of like a download where I couldn't go to sleep. I had all of these thoughts and and reflections that needed to come out. And so I'd grab my pen or I'd grab my phone and I'd start typing them out. And they came out in poetry, not in full sentences and and, and things. So it came out in poetry form. And then so I worked with it, um, you know, in the revision process to have them in poems. And then I had all these scattered poems and I said, well, there's these common themes, you know, about my life and experience. And then that's how the book got formed and pulled together. And I love the way you trusted the inspiration, just the way it came. Yes. You just trusted that and went with it. That, that's beautiful. That in itself is, is just uh, incredibly beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. For and that. when it came, th- thank you. And when it came, you know, it wasn't that I had a book in mind. I had right. no book in mind, right? right. I was just yeah. capturing this because I journal, because I write. I don't want to forget. I don't want to lose this this message that's coming through me right now. I took care, took care to write that down. And I'm so glad that I did because then, you know, I did get that kind of nudge from God to say, you need to put this all together in a book. Right. And I'm like, but wait, I have a job. I have a kid. I have all of these things going on. How am I going to make a book? Um, all the excuses, right? Now, right. <laughs> the logical side. The spirit knows, but the flesh is not willing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Wow. That requires trust. So when it comes to hurricanes <laughs> relating to the traumas and all these challenging experiences we go through, do you believe that we have chosen that, that even those experiences specifically we have chosen somehow? You know something? I really, I'm familiar with this thought, thought uh, line of thought, right? And I, I do believe it to some extent, like the, the law of attraction and that you've attracted, you know, anything good or bad that has come to you. Yeah. But I know that that law to me is not pure, right? Because I believe in an all-powerful God. So I believe that there are some things, and I believe in the spiritual world, right? So there are some things in the unseen that are happening that are affecting, um, and that is not just me attracting everything into my life. So I do think that it's multi-layered. I do think it's complicated. Um, But I do think to a certain extent, we attract things into our life. 
And I think some things are allowed into our life for us to grow through, for us to potentially help someone else through. And for some experience that we needed to have, perhaps to love better. If I believe that the human experience is all about loving, right? right? It gives you that perspective if you allow it. You're saying that we somehow, we attract them, but we don't really choose to go through these um, horrible things because I have been through a lot too. It's kind of hard to believe, isn't it, that we chose It is. So I like your perspective better, that it's an attractive thing, uh, let's say, not a cause in fact, but it's an unconscious kind of journey of the soul might be there's another compartment right of the spirit the spirit and then the soul trying to navigate this reality wow it's fascinating the whole thing it is (laughs) it is and i can't get enough of it this is why i'm so excited (laughs) to have this conversation with you because it's like how often do i get to talk about (laughs) me too that's why i have the podcast i love this conversation it's an amazing platform i'm so thankful that you have it Thank you, Nikki, for being here and being open to these conversations. Yeah, I know we are using the intellect, but there's a lot more operating here, too. Yeah. What was the intention of writing your book once you you understood that that was the uh, the idea to publish yes. this book? Did you visualize an intention? Did you have one? The first intention that I had was for my my younger self or people that are in this kind of situation. So my intention was to help guide someone and give hope to someone by sharing my story. So that was my first intention. And then as the book started to become a book and a manuscript and and I had to start thinking about it, um, I really also had the second intention um, that was that I wanted people in our greater you know, professional world to know the experiences of their colleagues, right? To have like, you would never know what people are going through unless they share their story. So I was hoping that it affect the people that did not live with this experience, um, but that may know someone like me mm-hmm. or um, may work alongside someone who they think is this powerful, um, you know, corporate person or what have you. And, you know, beneath all of this exterior, you know, what have you been through? And for me, that was always something that um, I had always looked to people for. Even when I'm in organizations for my most junior levels, I would be looking around at the senior levels and say, but I want to know which one of these people, like, what are your stories? Um, I'm so fascinated by stories. And so if I could shed light on my story and then as someone who works in diversity, equity and inclusion to have my story be translated so that others can it can understand my lived experience, I think would help to heal and get people to be more open minded and acknowledging of people's struggles and you know racial nuance and such. It makes a lot of sense because it's that connection, making that connection. That's what we need. That I think that seems to me like is the first seed or the first step to healing. It's making a connection. And storytelling is so powerful in that. Yeah. And sometimes we need something outside of us, right, to make that connection. It yes. doesn't always start within for some of us. Yeah, storytelling, I know how powerful they are in releasing too, isn't it? Yes, it's therapeutic. Right, right, right. It was therapy for me. 
So I have some poems that caught my attention and I have some lines too. I'll be reading the poem title and then the line. And then I'll ask you for the inspiration to write that poem. So the poem I have here, the first one, it might be the first one. I'm not sure if it was, but it says, All honor to the life givers. That was the title of the poem. And then the phrase that I have is, There is no payment sufficient to honor your worth. Most astounding creation, you, the face of this earth. Mm. I love that. So talk to me for a moment about the inspiration, Nick. Oh, I, well, this this poem, um, and, and in particular that line, it was around, I wanted to encourage women. I wanted to encourage Black women. I wanted to encourage, you know, abandoned children, um, people, anyone who may be feeling, you know, less than or that they've had this struggle or that they have gone through something that you will, ne- there's no payment sufficient to honor your worth. You won't ever be right. repaid right. fully for what you've gone through. You are so, 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 so much more than that. You are the most astounding creation. When you think of human beings, of people, of all of God's creation, you are the most astounding creation, the face of this earth. What would earth be without you? So I felt like it was just a a fitting tribute to open the book uh, and inspiration. And The Hurricanes, that's another title of one of your poems. And here I have a line that you say, every hurricane must be named so you don't soon forget. Destruction is never anonymous. Yes. And that is so true, too. So talk to me for a moment about that. Oh, yes. I wanted to include a a poem that spoke to the title, right? Hurricanes. And when I thought about hurricanes, I thought about the strange convention of how we name every hurricane. (laughs) I was just like, you know, there's Maria. There's like all of these different hurricanes um, with names. uh, And I I wondered why it's so important to give a hurricane a name. And I didn't want to look it up, right? Because that would be... (laughs) (laughs) Right. I thought about how it relates to the metaphor that I have for the book about hurricanes being the storms, the traumas that we go through. And it's really true that even in that, we have to name the thing that happened to us. We have to name it because it's never just anonymous. It never just, there is something, something. And dare I say, a lot of times, someone who has inflicted this destruction or this pain, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's where the inspiration for this poem came from. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember doing that too, kind of naming or writing about everything, everyone who ever hurt me and how they did and all that. And then forgiveness was the next step, right? I was going to say that helps you in that process because you can't forgive or repent, you know, if you've been choosing a bad pattern, right? You can't get rid of that unless you name it. And then, I don't know, after forgiveness, for me, it's actually, it became, it returned to love again. Yes. Right? It's like almost nothing ever happened. And, oh, yeah, it's in the dream. you just like, oh, woke up and then everybody's, um, it's interesting. I can see them also awakened and kind of all laughing. We're all laughing together. Wow, that was an interesting experience <laughs> to go through. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting perspective on it. I, I do think, I think love, again, I think love is a prerequisite for forgiveness. I, I don't think that you can truly forgive someone without exercising love. Now, I don't think that you have to display love. I think the act of forgiving in itself is love Mm. if you're truly forgiving. Um, But, you know, that may not mean being around that person or thinking highly of them or telling them even, you know, I forgive you, Um, but just letting it go in your own spirit. Yeah. Uh, So, so important. Can you describe that feeling for a moment, Nikki? How does it feel to truly forgive someone? It feels like a weight has been lifted. And I think uh, what you'll notice after you've truly forgiven someone is that same pain that they've inflicted on you. It doesn't hold the same weight, nor do they. They don't trigger you in the same way if you see them again, if you know, you have to be around. It doesn't trigger you in the same way once you've forgiven. It just takes the edge off. So you don't realize how much you're holding on to. And then going back to that kind of law of attraction, um, which you harbor, you may be bringing back or inviting back into your life, right? Because you're holding on. But when you let it go, you feel lighter and it doesn't, it really doesn't affect you in the same way, especially once you know you've survived. Right, you've survived right. it yeah. and you've let go of it. And the poem expanding, that is amazing. I wrote something here that still makes me breathe deeper every time I look at it. A line, a very small line. I think it was towards the end. I'm not sure. But you say, um, and spoke my truth. I grew three inches. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, Expanding. I love that word to start with, this idea. So talk to me about this poem. Oh, this poem uh, about expanding, it talks about all the different ways that we try to, that we do expand after in our healing process, because for so long we play so small, right? We give other people power, whether it's um, because of what they've done to you and they become so big in your life or that issue or that experience becomes so big in your life and then you're made smaller. So throughout this poem, I talk about expanding and what that looked like for me, speaking up for myself, Mm, asking, getting comfortable in my own body, being able to ask for a waiter two or three Mm -hmm. times, right? Like Mm -hmm. allowing me to be served and and really just speaking my truth and how in each of these little acts of expanding, you're growing and growing and growing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nikki. For your oh, presence you're so in this reality. <laughs> yeah, we need this inspiration. Wow, it's beautiful, truly beautiful. I would love for you to read the poem um, Love is Patient. I love that oh. poem. Please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will. Let me go ahead and find it. Okay. A funny, I'll, I'll read the poem. Well, actually, before I read it, another title that I had for this poem okay. before I titled it Love is Patient okay. was God is Love. Mm, and wow. then yeah. I changed the title from God is Love to Love is Patient because I was debating between the two. And I chose Love is Patient because I wanted it to be able to be interpreted as love from a person or love from God, right? Right. Um, right. 
But really, when I wrote this, my intention was God is love. And that's who I was talking about in this poem. So here it goes. Love plugs every hole with light. Love birthed me and stayed. Love carried the weight. Love cringed in pain with me. Love waited while I pushed it away. Love was honest about what I deserved and didn't. Love treated me. Love comforted. Love forgave. Love endured. Love listened. Love sacrificed. Love placed a girl from the hood with daddy, body, trust, trauma issues on a pedestal. Love saved. Wow, I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, how beautiful. I mean, love is so powerful. Yes. When you and and sometimes we don't realize it, right? And and for many people, they don't get that love necessarily or ascribe that love to God, which again was why I changed the title. But there may have been someone who who, you know, cringed in pain with you or someone who endured or someone who birthed you and stayed, right? And and that is love. That is God. Yeah, thank you for saying that too. Yeah, the other title, the original one, God is love, because that's something that I believe with every cell in my body and the spirit, yes. And we're almost at the end. You have another Something else caught my attention in your book was things I learned in boot camp for independent women. That's interesting. Could you read that for me, please, Nikki? I was raised by a single mother, so that's where this, this poem came from, a little context. So things I learned in boot camp for independent women. One, how to stand alone, solid. Two, to pay my own way. So it's clear, I don't owe you anything. Three, to lift a car, remove the bolts, and change its tires. Four, I can do everything you can, except love me. Except love me. Yeah, this was... uh, poem that's featured in the closets chapter. So kind of the things that we don't really talk about. Um, And for me, that was the lack of self-love that I had as a child. Like, you know, I was trained in everything else for my practical survival. But spiritually, I was seeking love from everyone else because I didn't know how to love me. And this is uh, the true story of so many of us, right? Um, it's certainly mine. Not being trained and not even have any idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are here now. <laughs> and we are learning <laughs> deeply how to do that. That's yes. great news. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again, Nikki. And I have a few qu- more questions for you, the ending questions. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read another poem? Sure, I can read another poem that I think is fitting for our conversation. And it's called I Live. I see a vision for my life. I am the child of God. Therefore, I create the world I live in. 
I decide what I will take and not. I decide what will kill my spirit or shake it awake. I own my own body and my own life. More than that, I love them dearly. They carried me, the gift of them, through it all. I am more than an incident, a rape, an insult, or several. They never had the power to define me. I have come to collect the debts and forgive those that have trespassed. I am the child of God. I create the world. I live. I create the world. I'm a child of God. I create the world. Yes. Yeah. That's really something that, yeah, another, that's another deep lesson to understand yeah. that we are creating our own reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for your presence, your beautiful presence, elevated presence, this connection that you choose to make with the unseen world that is, um, to me, means everything. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's just, I mean, there's no even words for it. So I really thank you for that. Oh, I thank you so much too, Valeria. Thank you for having this platform. It was so great to engage in this conversation with you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body or losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? I would not make any changes or do anything in a different way. Although if I knew that I only had a limited number of time left, a limited allotment of time, I would probably take a trip somewhere, but, yeah. <laughs> but I would go back and change the past or try to rectify anything. I, I believe everything is, is good and I'm, I'm satisfied with how I've lived my life to date. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Hmm. One, I know that change is constant. No matter how good or bad, this too shall pass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, True. Two, uh, the human spirit is deeply resilient. We are never too far gone for redemption. And then three, the, the last thing I know for sure is that God is real. and My life wouldn't be as rich as it is without God. In that sentence, you can again substitute God for love. And it would be just as accurate. Love is real. My life wouldn't be as rich without love. God is love. Thank you again. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Oh, sure. So my book, Home for Hurricanes, a memoir of resilience in poetry and prose, is available at all of your online book retailers, Amazon included, Barnes & Noble. It's also available in audiobook for all the podcast listeners out there that prefer audio. So it's available on Audible and iBooks and other places where audiobooks are sold. Um, And stay in touch. Uh, My website is Nikki-Murphy.com. And you can also follow me on social media. I'm most active on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. Both are um, Mrs. Nikki Murphy. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon, Nikki. Yes, thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Nikki Murphy and her work, please visit Nikki-Murphy.com. 
To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.